The Gospel according to St. John, chapter 14, beginning at the first verse. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. A prayer as we begin. Lord, on this special day, we pray that you will open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. Amen. Remembrance Day is an exceedingly poignant time This year, the last of the combatants in World War I has died. And that war, which saw unspeakable slaughter in the trenches, was meant to be the war to end all wars. Unfortunately, it was not. Many of us remember World War II, when at one stage... This country stood alone against all the might of the Wehrmacht, which had conquered almost the whole of the European continent. And the gallant soldiers and sailors and airmen, the underground fighters, the secret agents, were prepared to throw everything into the ring in order to retain the freedom of our world. As the news sheet uh, puts it in that remarkable uh, epitaph at the back, when you go home, tell them of us and say, for your tomorrow we gave our today. And we owe them an immense debt of gratitude. And it's very fitting that today we should come to pay a little of that debt. Many of us still remember and mourn uh, loved ones killed or wounded in that war. But inevitably, Iraq and Afghanistan are powerfully on our minds this year. 
with ever-increasing losses, over 90 this year, five killed in one day this week, for a cause which is far from clear, and the whole country is hurting and wondering if it's all worthwhile. The Independent today on its front page is absolutely covered with the suggestion that uh, we should withdraw. The Express uh, is clear that we should not. The country is very unclear about it. But it's not only the anguish of the loss of friends and loved ones in the armed forces, but also people in this very congregation and quite a few very recently who have lost friends and relatives and they mourn and grieve today. They remember their loved ones with grief. And in this broken world, where there is so much pain and anguish, we are bound to ask, is there any encouragement to be had? We've just had read to us a most marvelous passage from the Bible in John chapter 14. You might like to follow it. The context is remarkable. In the previous verses of chapter 13, we are presented with Jesus and his friends in an upstairs room of a borrowed house. The air is thick with suspicion, grief, yes, and anger. One of their own number, a trusted colleague, Judas, had just gone out to sell his master to the authorities. And John comments tersely, and it was night. It was indeed night in more senses than one. And at that same poignant supper party, Peter had just uttered his most mindless piece of bombast, I will lay down my life for you. And that drew forth Jesus' sad response. Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, I tell you, before cock crow, you will have denied me three times. In a word, Jesus was going to his death. They all knew it. You could have cut the atmosphere in that room with a knife. And then come these matchless words at the beginning of our reading. Chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. What an amazing statement from somebody who knew that within 24 hours he would be dead. Do not let your hearts be storm-tossed. Of course there's going to be grief and anguish. It's a very strong word that's used. Don't let your hearts be ripped apart with inconsolable grief. 
Because these words speak consolation. Jesus understands what his friends were going through. Because he's going through it too. Seems to me that the only source for lasting consolation in this broken world is the suffering Savior who has been through all our agony and fears, our griefs, and has overcome. If you're feeling broken today and pressed down with grief, you can take courage. Because he stands alongside and he touches your shoulder and he says, do not be distressed. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I go, to be sure, horribly killed by wicked men. But I am going to prepare a place for you. And surely that is some consolation. During the past week, I've been on a fascinating conference in um, the Tyrol in Austria. Uh, we have been um, together with people from over 30 European countries who are Christians and who are planning to become uh, evangelists in universities. Um, there are very few university missions on the continent. And we're determined to increase that number. It was wonderful to be with these people. And as we went to that conference, each day I looked out of the window at the incredible beauty round about. But on the last day, it had snowed in the night. And you've got snow in the mountains to the left. And then you've got the valley with the one road winding its way um, towards where we were staying. The temperature there is only a few degrees warmer than on the mountains. But those few degrees melted the snow and opened up the road. And it seemed to me a picture of the way in which the Lord's presence in our hearts and the companionship of our friends can be a significant counter to the bleak, snowy mountainsides of grief and loss and anguish and can open up the road through which Jesus Christ can bring us his encouragement. And that is what he intends to do. Encourage us, he does, because he offers us not only consolation, but a destination, the ultimate destination, heaven. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. As we came to that conference, along this one road on the floor of the valley, we saw a towering, majestic castle where our conference was to be held. So strong, so commanding, it dominated everything, north, south, east, and west. The roads that met there were all completely dominated by this massive schloss. 
And it seemed to me, as I reflected on it, a wonderful picture of heaven. This is where our loved ones in Christ have gone. There are many rooms in that castle. That is where we shall follow them in due course. And there'll be a great reunion. But best of all, Jesus says, where I am, there you will be too. And the one that we follow by faith now, we'll see for ourselves then, and it will be wonderful. I think the best way to understand heaven is in those words, where I am, there you shall be too. It's not a question of location. People laugh at the idea of a heaven where people are dressed in white and play golden harps. It's not location, it's relation. Relationship with the source of our being, the goal of our destiny, the Lord himself. With the Lord forever, safe in his home, after all the toils and perils of the journey along that winding road of life. But can we believe it? Are we whistling in the dark, we Christians, to keep our spirits up? No, we are not. Just think of what an astonishing thing it is that the man who made this promise on the eve of his own death. Of all promises, the most unlikely that he would go to prepare a place for his followers. Three days later, he was risen from the grave. He had smashed the power of the last enemy. He had gone to prepare a way for us. And our hope, our assurance of life after death depends entirely on this promise of Jesus backed up by his resurrection. It's one thing to say, in my father's house are many mansions. It's quite another thing to clinch it by resurrection from the dead. And that is one of the most solid and best attested facts in all human history. And that resurrection of Jesus is the foretaste of our own Heaven is our destination. And it's good to remind ourselves of that on a day like this. It's good to remember it at other times when days are dark. We do not lift up our heads enough to the future that God has for us. Wonderful words here speaking consolation and the destination that awaits believers. Here's the third and last thing I want to bring to you. It's this, transformation. This is a passage that speaks of the change that can happen in human lives. Because very bluntly it says that Jesus and Jesus alone is the way to God. Why? It's not some theological dogma. It's logic. He is the only great teacher in the world who has one foot 
in the nature of God and the other foot in the nature of man. And that is why he can be the bridge over the troubled water in between. He is the way and no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the, not only the way to God, he is the truth of God. That's a word that's fallen into disrepute these days. You have your truth, I have my truth. Nobody has any conviction about truth. People despair of finding absolute truth these days. And Jesus is at least saying in this verse that final truth can be had but it is neither ideological nor is it propositional it is personal is that he in person embodies the truth or the reality of what God is like he is the way and the truth and he's also the life the claim is that Jesus embodies the very life of God. If you want to know what God is like, take a long look at Jesus. If you know me, you know the Father also, says verse 7. And when each of us comes to step upon that way that Jesus is, to embrace that truth that Jesus is, to welcome that life that Jesus is into our own beings, then a gradual transformation begins to take place. And on this day, when very seriously we look at the issue of sacrifice, we look at the issue of life and death, I must ask you, have you come to Jesus yet because no one comes to the Father except by him have you acknowledged him as the true representation of God have you recognized him as the way to God and welcomed him into your very personality as the life of God have you asked him on board so that it's not just you but it's the Christian you, Christ and you, in partnership. Only two people know the answer to that question, God and you. But that is where the road to heaven begins. Don't miss it. In this church, there is a very helpful course called the Alpha Course to help people to get their feet on that road. And another one of those courses will be starting after Christmas. I know nothing would please the leadership more than for some of you this morning to say to them, could you sign me up for that next course? Because I really want to pursue this and see if it's real. I want to end with a story. This past week at the conference... I came across one of the Bosnian evangelists who had had a terrible past. He was a soldier in the Balkan Wars and he had killed many, many people. 
back for a brief rest from the front line, he was walking across the square of his town when a girl came up to him and handed him just a little leaflet. And on it was written, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. No more than that. But it was enough to bring this guilt-ridden soldier to Christ. He entrusted his life to Christ that very day. He did not have any great assurance, no overwhelming feelings. But from that day, the terrible nightmares stopped. The post-traumatic stress which so many of our forces undergo after being in the slaughter of battle, that disappeared for good. And gradually, he grew as a Christian. And this man is now one of the two leading evangelists in Bosnia. The gospel is growing in Bosnia, in places like Slovenia and Russia, at an enormous rate these days. Even in France, they're planting a new Christian church every week. That is the pace of what is happening on the continent. And at the heart of it, there are men like this whose lives have been utterly transformed by Jesus, the way and the truth and the life. That's what he can do. He can not only give us the peace that we crave, and particularly on a day like this, as we grieve for lost loved ones, But he can transform our lives. He can put boots on our feet. He can put a coat on our back. He can start us off along the road that leads through the snowy mountains to the heavenly castle where the risen Lord himself awaits us. I call that good news. Don't you? Let's pray. Risen Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you that at this time of mourning and reflection and sorrow and grief, you stand before us with your arms outstretched to welcome us in this life to entrust ourselves to you, the way, the truth, and the very life of God. And we praise you with all our hearts that at the end of the road, you stand there with those same arms outstretched to welcome us into the heavenly home that has many places to stay. You are such a generous God and we praise and adore you today. Amen.